This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Paul Sokolis with special guests. Summit Racing's David Fuller, Nicole Corey, Will Schertz, Alan Rebisher, and Justin Weideman. Here we go. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the On All Cylinders Podcast for 2024. Um, and to kick off the year, we're bringing back the gang from the On All Cylinders Holiday Podcast Spectacular, trademark, um, and we're going to be talking all about uh, what happened in 2023 and what we're going to be looking forward to in 2024. So first off, welcome back, team. Um, did you guys have a good New Year's? Yeah, it was okay. Quiet. Very convincing, it Justin. Nice. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> it's a slow start for us, but that's okay. We'll shake off some rust and get this podcast moving. And to do so, I know it seems like an eternity ago, but uh, let's search our memory banks. Can you guys think of some big, noteworthy news stories from uh, 2023 that uh, made major headlines? So for me, I think the biggest story across the automotive world is the UAW strike. It was everywhere. It went on for a long time and it even affected, you know, the aftermarket industry like us. Like, look what it did for SEMA. A lot of those guys, the big manufacturers pulled out. So I think that was the biggest, in my opinion, was the biggest bam right in the face of the whole automotive industry for the year. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, You want to talk about ripple effects. No facet of the automotive industry was not impacted by that strike. Alan, I saw you starting to jump in there. What were your thoughts on the biggest news story of 2023? The demise of the Charger and Challenger. They are now no more. Yeah, what are Mopar fans to do? And and we'll get to some predictions on uh, 2024 and beyond here in a moment. But uh, yeah, it was certainly sad to see those two go. In fact, I think if I recall the headlines, um, the last Challenger just rolled off the factory floor a few days ago. Yep. I think so. November, December, something like that. I was wondering if, you know, kind of we'll touch on this subject later. It's like, but does Mopar own the first and the last car? That seemed like a very kind of Barrett Jackson kind of auction thing. Like, how much is somebody going to pay over sticker for that last Challenger? Yeah, if any of those last call editions are any indicator, <laughs> it is not going to be a small check to write. Yep. Well, unless unless the last one was like the, the six-cylinder one. <laughs> Here, we have a six-cylinder in beige. Is it not? I think mauve would be a more appropriate color. <laughs> yeah, bringing back the mauve Dodge from the Holiday Podcast Spectacular. Will, what are your thoughts? We need the Stratus back for sure. Will, you are one of the proud few burning a candle for the Dodge Stratus to return in 2024. Um, but yeah, the, the demise of the V8 power Challenger and Charger, certainly bad news for a lot of gearheads. But there was plenty of good news to celebrate, too. And I'm thinking back specifically January, February of last year, General Motors announced plans for a sixth gen small block. I think my number is right. Uh, going back the last 25, 30 years or so, we had the Gen 3, Gen 4 LS series and then the Gen 5 LT series. And now, again, General Motors says there's plans for a Gen 6 small block on the drawing board right now. They didn't release many details beyond that, but it does seem like we're getting a new GM small block, right? Yeah, I can speak to the social media side of things, just kind of keeping an eye on that every day. That that was a that was a big one. That was a light, at, I guess, at the end of the tunnel for some of these guys with all the EV talk going on out there. Uh, we had a huge response to that. So hopefully it actually, actually happens. So is this a production small block? I'm trying to recall the press release in question. It didn't have many specifics in it, but uh, yeah, a, a new generation small block General Motors V8. A new eight-cylinder in a in a V configuration, and that's what we love. 
Well, the big story around it was the investment in the manufacturing facility, right? I mean, that's kind of how this whole thing came out. They're going to put all this money into a new facility to manufacture the engine. If I remember correctly, it was like $800 million or something like that. Yeah, it was interesting because of the way it was presented. That little bit, uh, that little nugget of information about the small block V8 was embedded into a larger press release talking all about uh, the infrastructure investments in like electric vehicle production facilities and battery development, things like that. Man, I missed that one. That is important. There won't be any Camaros left to put them in, but, you know. You know, we kind of touched on the Hemi Challenger going away. I think it's kind of crazy to think that 2023 is almost the end of the retro muscle car era. You know, obviously, we're still making Mustangs and all that, but we all can remember back to, you know, when that mid-2000s, you know, the Camaro coming back, the Mustang, the Charger, and then we finally got a Challenger. So, I think this is kind of the muscle car renaissance, and I think we're on the tail end of it, and it's kind of a little bit sad to think about. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good observation because, uh, Justin, both you and I went to the SEMA and PRI shows, and we all got a chance to see plenty of the new 2024 Mustang. I guess I think it's called the S650 generation, and they truly have kind of evolved past those retro styling cues. And, and you kind of see that across the board. A, a lot of manufacturers are ditching the retro vibe and going for a more modern contemporary look. I saw my first Cybertruck out in the wild the other day. Did you really? That was, uh, wow. that was pretty cool. Not only that, but it had a dirt bike in the back. So like, <laughs> I, I was all sorts of hot and bothered. I was like, oh, that is cool. But man, you want to talk about a, but they weren't kid- like, you've seen the pictures and there's that video of Joe Rogan, like shooting the arrow into the side of one. I would love to see what's more aerodynamic, a Jeep Wrangler or a Cybertruck, because I think they're both racing for the bottom. (laughs) Now, you've kind of piqued my curiosity here. Was it like an emissions offsetting thing? Like, was the Cybertruck carrying some 1970s era two-stroke dirt bike, like a Hadaka Super Rat or like a a Honda XL? No, actually, it was um, very up-to-date. It had a a brand new, I believe it was either a TM or a Husk. I believe it was a Husqvarna in the back. I was kind of saw from afar. But yeah, it was just cool to actually see one in the wild. Like, it's nuts to think about. What does it look like in person? It's not as shiny as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's very like brushed aluminum DeLorean ish, but yeah, no, it looks like a, it looks like exactly like you would have thought of, um, like a little kid drew it that was really good at drawing straight lines and, um, it's neat. I can't wait to see where they go with them. Like I love the technology, but definitely, um, compared to like the Tesla Roadster or uh, some of the other models, um, there was not a whole, that was some cardboard, you know, CAD cardboard assisted design where they were just got some pizza boxes and they started taping stuff together. I like to say, I think it, it looks like some amalgam of like the original Blade Runner spinner car and like a range hood vent, you know, you'd put over an oven. It's got that vibe to it. Appealing. It's very appealing. Related to that, that was going to be, I, I feel like the reveal of that was one of the bigger news pieces of this, uh, this past year too. Um, if you could call a reveal, which will exactly like the prototype they should back in 2019. But, um, you know, as far as uh, the general consumer is concerned, I feel like that's probably one of the, the you know, things that had the most widespread attention, even if it's mostly fun for the broken glass memes. <laughs> you know, speaking of reveals that weren't quite reveals, my mind immediately goes to the Corvette E-Ray, right? Like it was General Motors' worst kept secret. Once the C8 hit production and into the wild, people were taking it apart and saying, Wow, it's almost like these front spindles can accommodate some sort of axle shaft. So people kind of had that suspicion that a hybrid Corvette was coming. But when it finally did break cover last winter, you know, not only was the Corvette E-Ray a hybrid Corvette, 
It was also an all-wheel drive Corvette. And I believe it's the fastest production Corvette ever, right? Yeah, that was um, actually, so when we did that Jeep road trip this year, we went down to the Corvette Museum. We're checking a bunch of stuff out. You know, check that out on our YouTube, guys. You know, they had the newest newest Z06, and then they had the, the e, like, the E-Ray mock-up model thing. And just to look at, like, that is so cool. I don't know. I You kind of look in the supercar era of, you know, when it starts. I shouldn't say even supercar, hypercars in that 2010 area. With, like, the P1 is the, the shiny example. That kind of shook the Bugatti Veyron up a little bit, like, that was the first true hybrid sole performance car. And the thing was wicked impressive. Yeah, I think the hyper, you know, supercar, hypercar era of dual performance is here. And I think it's just going to get crazier. I kind of like, too, that the battery is like self-charging, like when you're driving to like when I was reading a little bit about it, I think they call it like the E-Ray battery. Right. I think. But I thought it was kind of different and all wheel drive. I like all wheel drive. Now, so far, we've been talking all about the domestics, but recall last spring, Mazda debuted a a turbocharged inline-six, which is music to my ears, being an inline-six guy. So, to borrow a quote from from Mark Twain, the rumors of the internal combustion engine's demise have been perhaps exaggerated. Yeah, I think ICE is here to stay for the considerable future. I think we got a little taste of electric. I think we explored it. We've realized that the technology is quite not there yet, and so ICE is going to stay. The same thing had to happen when cars first came out and people were still riding horses. I was reading some deal the other day where it was like, you know, in 1905 or 1906, there was a half million horses still in New York City, um, and like 1,200 would die a day. (laughs) Like, that is, I know that's a a wild fact, but imagine being staying at the... uh, you know, in Times Square and just, you know, there's just horses everywhere. I'm just imagining the smell, but uh, we digress a bit. Um, Outside of the automotive industry, what other kind of noteworthy gearhead news was there? I just recall how 2023 started. I want to say it was January 2nd, uh, the gearhead world woke up to news that Ken Block had tragically passed away in a snowmobile accident. And I think even now, a year removed from that incident, you know, the enthusiast community is still kind of adjusting to that news. And Hoonigan dropped their Electricana, their second video, I think, a couple months ago. And it was a really nice homage to Ken Block with the last video you, you, they kind of recorded with him. A little bittersweet to watch, you know. And that's been a big thing, kind of, you know, it's been a whole year of mourning for him. It's been cool to see his wife and daughter kind of carry on, especially Leah is going to be a phenomenal race car driver. Seems like a good kid, good head on her shoulders, and is doing her dad very proud. Speaking of kind of sad New Year's, I guess it would be New Year's Eve news, famed race car driver Cal Yarbrough passed away on the last day of the year. When I saw that, it just kind of, a tear ran down my face a little bit, and I thought back to the Dukes of Hazard episode, where the Dukes <laughs> of Hazard meet Cal Yarbrough. That's where they go when they leave, when we get the phony Dukes. In the dark time of the series, they're going racing with Cal, but he is synonymous with kind of the craze of NASCAR and racing, the epitome of an American race car driver. And it's very, I mean, I don't know how old he was, but he was old. Yeah, I believe 84. Is that right? I don't know. I only wrote the article. I don't remember. All I know is I left the Dukes of Hazard part out of it. And now I feel like I failed. 
Save a little knowledge for the Dukes of Hazard special episode, Justin. Come on. If we do a Dukes of Hazard special episode, I have my buddy Kenny is famed Dukes of Hazard historian. <laughs> well, we also had Don Schumacher too. That was another one that happened recently. It's big news in the drag racing world. So it's uh kind of a mixed bag in the world of drag racing this year, actually. I mean, obviously that's sad news, but we also saw some tracks closing up. And then there's some some interesting positive stuff going on with it too. But I think is it Vandermeer? That was the last year for that one. Yep. Rocky Mountain Race Week stopped there every year. If you've never seen the track in person, it's literally in the side of a mountain. It's super cool. And that's sad. But I saw a statistic the other day. As of 2024, there's more racetracks open, drag strips at least, than have ever been open before. So there's tons of tracks that are being bought and reopened. There's one just in West Virginia that just opened. But um, in the drag racing world, I guess, of no prep and all that, I think that's very, and kind of doing the back half stuff, is very hot, is going to continue to grow. And I think that kind of drag and drive and no prep kind of backtrack racing, over 23, I think, has blown up. I mean, it's, it's insane. Drag and drive is very, very hot right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got sick week coming up. So, Isn't there something like 50 events now in Dragon Drive? I, I think I saw that at PRI. I mean, they really expanded this thing. So Yeah, and it's global. Um, Australia, Europe, all sorts of places are doing Dragon Drives. So I think it's, I don't know, it's a very cool kind of style of event, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's fascinating to see the way those events kind of transcend um, racing because you have those Dragon Drive events and then you also have like Autocross Week. So I'm anxiously watching to see how that continues to expand in 2024 and beyond. Um, now, we've kind of talked about a lot of mainstream news. Um, do you have any cool, interesting tidbits uh, to report? Maybe something that didn't make major headlines yet is cool nonetheless? So 2023 highlight for me, craziest thing I think that happened through the year is I'm a huge Baja fan. Like I loved, I grew up in the wrong place. I wish I was a West Coaster so I could do more desert racing. But there's this dude, he's a Dutch, I guess a Dutch immigrant to Australia. His name's Walter Van Dyck. I think that's how you say it. This guy is absolutely insane. He showed up to San Diego a week before Baja, bought a bike, rode it from San Diego to La Paz with saddlebags and everything, broke the subframe on the way. So like he rode halfway with a broken subframe to La Paz, Mexico, then barely got tires, ordered some parts got some tires and other stuff, put this bike together, and then Iron Man's Baja on it. No pre-running, no team. There's pictures and, like, there's an Instagram page called uh, Fishgistics that's are huge in Baja, and they posted all, they, like, followed this dude. There's, like, pictures of him sitting in somebody's pits, like, eating tacos, <laughs> just, like, in the middle of the race. But, yeah, he finished. Now, he's a pretty good decent dirt bike rider. He rode the hard enduro race out there in Romaniacs, which is a huge one over in Europe. But other than that, just showed up to Baja and was like, yeah, I'm going to race this. Let's sign up. I could see you doing something like that, Justin. A hundred percent one of my goals. I just got, as long as, as long as Dave will let me go race Baja, it'll be cool. Summit Racing, sponsor him. <laughs> you, you mentioned that he was Dutch. I, I always love a good barn fighting story. I think one of my favorite ones uh, was from like last spring. There was this low-key Dutch private car collector named uh, Ad Palman. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but he was out of the Netherlands and he amassed some 230 classic vehicles over half a century of collecting and stored them between like two warehouses and an abandoned church. 
didn't really tell many people about the collection, I guess, but I um, mean, he, he just got like too old and too ill to maintain them and then sold them all to this classic car dealer in that area. And then they ended up putting them up, up for auction and became this, you know, bigger news story back in like April and May. Um, but I mean, he had all kinds of crazy stuff. He had, like a 55 Lancey and B24 Spider America, uh, Jaguar XJS, bunch of Ferraris, Maseratis, uh, some defunct brands, all kinds of cool cars in there. And I think you're going to see more of that. I mean, maybe not quite on that scale, but as collectors age out, you're going to see, a, you're, you're, I mean, this is a trend that's been, in my opinion, going on since before COVID even. I mean, there are big collections of cars and parts and everything that are just, are, they're just going up to auction because, you know, people die and they, their kids don't want to deal with it. I mean, you're going to see more of that. I think that trend is going to accelerate this year. People are just, they don't want to deal with their parents' car collections and stuff like that. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of these things start popping up more and more. Haggerty does a really good video series kind of called Barn Fine Hunters. I remember I was watching one the other day and the guy has like a 426 four-speed challenger like riding in his yard. And you're like, Okay, yeah, just over here, just watching million dollar cars rot into the dirt. No big deal. <laughs> and in the meantime, four Pintos go for $20,000, so go figure. Yep. Well, on the theme of surprises for 2023, we can't go this whole episode and not mention the fact that uh, it was announced at the PRI show that Tony Stewart is now driving an NHRA top fuel car, right? That was very hurt around the convention. I mean, they were, the NHRA was like, big news, big news. What's it going to be, guys? What's it going to be? It's kind of a fun, wholesome story. Leah stepping back, wanting to be a, a, you know, a mom and have a family and all this. And then Tony's like, all right, I guess I'll drive it. (laughs) (laughs) But come on, to be honest, who didn't see that coming? I mean, we all wanted him to end up in a top fuel car. Like he's done really, really well. And kind of the funny with, you know, funny cars. And he did some like Eliminator series stuff. But it's neat. The dude... He is a wheel man. You know, we've seen him drive. NAS- he comes from dirt. He went to NASCAR, raced NASCAR, went, bought a track, went back to dirt, went dirt racing for a while. And then he's like, I'm done. Tur- I'm done turning left. Let's go straight, boys. <laughs> well, seeing Smoke uh, drive in the NHRA is certainly one of the things I'm looking forward to in 2024. And we'll get to some of the things we kind of hope we want to see in 2024. But what are some things that we definitely know are happening this year that are particularly interesting to you? Uh, we touched on the drag and drive events. Again, we went to the PRI show, kind of got a little bit better idea of the amount and proliferation of these events. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how that plays out. There's practically something every week all across the country. I know we're going to be involved with uh, a few of those. So uh, just the evolution of that and what that looks like uh, throughout the year and, and the popularity. Um, I'm pretty, pretty excited to see that. In general, continuing to see how, you know, the vehicle technology evolves and how people choose to spend their money, you know, like whether, you know, new EVs are going to increase, decrease in sales, uh, hybrid vehicles, traditionalized powertrains, that kind of stuff, and all the, uh, you know, other technologies that they're integrating into them. For me, it's all about racing. You know, we have King of Motos, King of Hammers coming up here in a couple of weeks in the off-road world. And then, you know, in the dirt and kind of in the same deal, you know, Monster Energy Supercross is about to fire up. I mean, it's mostly just geared up for race season for me. I like dirt bikes, so and drag racing is cool too. So I just kind of I start to eat this stuff up, and there's always something to watch for me. It always puts a big old smile on my face. 
Speaking of dirt bikes, um, I'm excited to see. Um, last year, Honda released a Scrambler, kind of a throwback bike to its glory days in the 70s. Um, and for those of you that don't know, a Scrambler is, is, a, is a slang term for a bike that's not quite a street bike, not quite a dirt bike. It's typically got high fenders and a high-mounted exhaust. It's just a cool retro look, and, and a lot of other brands are, are into it, too. But uh, being a vintage Honda guy, I'm just excited to see one officially out in the wild. Because, in my opinion, you can't have too many Scramblers running around. I wholeheartedly agree. So, Scramblers, Cafe Racers, that whole style of bike has blown I would say for the last two years, three years, has blown up so hard. And is such a kind of a namesake category. Like, we all can, like, remember back to, you know, like you said, CLs or CH uh, Hondas. And then you had Honda that brought back the monkey look. Where it's the cute, it's the cute little baby. It's a, it's a 50 or I think they're actually 150. I believe it's based off the Grom kind of platform. But everybody remembers those from when they were little kids. And now you can go buy a brand new one with your adult money. <laughs> the the adult money. I love it. Um, okay. So we've talked about some of the things we're looking forward to that we know are going to happen. But let's get a little bit more pie in the sky and starry eyed and talk about some of the things we hope are going to happen in 2024 and beyond. And uh, I'll get the ball rolling by talking about uh, the Scout brand's resurrection. Uh, Volkswagen bought the rights to use the Scout name in in America, at least, North America, at least. And the Scout name uh, began with International, and it was applied to the Scout 800, and uh, later in the 70s and early 80s, the Scout 2. And basically, it was a direct competitor to the Jeep. It was a boxy, off-road, four-wheel drive with a removable top. So it's really neat to see uh, a potential competitor in that space now. But here's where it gets really interesting. This resurrected Scout brand will be an all-electric portfolio. So seeing a potential all-electric competitor to like the Jeep and the Bronco now is going to really make things interesting in that space, I think. I believe the reveal for that is supposed to be this summer, summer, late summer or early fall. So the, the concept will at least be revealed. I'm somewhat disappointed that it will be all-electric because... You know, there's there's no giant 800-pound cast-iron V8s like the IHs of yore. And I'm not fully convinced on electric drivetrains for off-roading, but maybe this that's not what this platform, what, what this vehicle is going to be designed for, unfortunately. People are probably going to groan at this, but I might be one of the... One of a handful of folks who would love to see that rumored Corvette badge performance SUV come to life. You know, being a family guy with kids, um, even though I am skeptical about slapping the Corvette badge on an SUV, I'm not skeptical about an SUV powered by a Chevy supercharged V8. So that was one of my favorite things, kind of, that's unfortunately going to kind of go away with the end of the Mopar era was like Trackhawks and stuff like that. Like, um, there's something about a 6'2 Hemi with a blower on top that just puts a, uh, or a 6'4 that just puts a smile on my face. I like where your head's at, Will. Because we'd all love to have CSV wagons, but none of us can afford CSV wagons. So the next best step is all-wheel drive V8 something. <laughs> I would like to see, and I don't think it's going to happen. Are they, are they putting Hurricanes in, in Wranglers? Is there talk of that? You know, that's a darn good question. And I will say this. I believe one of the design elements of the uh, that uh, Hurricane 6 is that it has similar external dimensions and similar mounting points to the Hemi V8. Like, that was an engineering sticking point that was stipulated so there'd be some interchangeability and they wouldn't have to really modify some of their existing lineup to accommodate this new engine, right? And I'm pretty sure they hit it. So that means if they were able to stuff a 392 Hemi in a Wrangler, which they can and do, 
then theoretically that means they can shove the six in there. And if you're out there wondering what we're talking about, um, Mopar, Stellantis, whatever you want to call it, uh, has introduced an inline six engine that I believe is twin turbocharged, single turbocharged, but it's got forced induction. And there are further rumors that say that uh, that inline six engine is going to create more power than the traditional Hemi. And you'll be able to see it in whatever the next generation charger will be. It originally debuted as an all electric vehicle. And now they're saying that it might get an internal combustion engine. I believe, I believe that's confirmed. And I believe there are two stages of the hurricane. There's your base. And then I think the other one is a twin. Maybe the, the upper one is a twin turbo. I have to look at that for sure. But the return of a straight six Wrangler, I think would be awesome. They really missed the mark, and they could call these ca- the categories of a hurricane. <laughs> In the terms of performance, I want a category five. Yeah, that category of five performance. I, I don't know. You might have uh, some trepidation with the marketing folks on that one. But uh, I believe the hurricane name itself is a throwback to the engines used in the Jeeps of the 1960s, correct? I think that's what they called the Buick V6s they put in there. I think they called those hurricanes. There is nothing that sounds sweeter than a four a four liter on the limiter, just a Cherokee out in the woods. Just I, I yeah, you gotta get that. It's it's on man. Actually, I was just I felt old the other day because a guy by me has a straight piped Cherokee and he leaves a stop sign by my house just on the pedal. You drive that thing's an on-off switch, like. And I texted one of our coworkers that I was extremely frustrated and I was going to go to this guy's house, crawl under it and unplug the crank sensor and see how big of a Mopar guy he really is. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. You know, GM did the straight inline six thing. Ford did the inline six thing. Probably the most famous inline six, I would say, is either the Chrysler leading tower of power or the 2JZ. It's kind of a toss up, but there's nothing quite as efficient. I mean, Cummins has been doing it for God knows how long. I mean, there is a date on how long they've been doing it, but it's been a long time. And uh, I think the general consensus is six in a row make it go. A few thousand Jaguar fans are quietly nodding along with you, um, Justin. Yes. Um, I almost forgot. Another thing I'm kind of excited for is the return of the hippie bus. The Volkswagen um, Transporter is getting its like 21st century makeover as the ID Buzz. It's already out in Europe, but I'm pretty sure, according to the press release, that it'll go on sale in 2024 in America, North America. And uh, it'll be all electric, too. So it'll be interesting to see the reaction to a modern 21st century all-electric Volkswagen hippie bus roaming the streets of North America. Driven by 70-year-old hippies, because <laughs> they're the only ones that are going to be able to afford them. Yes. Any new parts that came out last year you guys can think of? Uh, I know Sniper 2 is a big one. But any other aftermarket parts you can think of that knock your socks off? I know a few of us went to SEMA and PRI. And- I think for me, I kind of talked about it in our SEMA 24 review, but it was that Holly, the LiDAR um, fuel sender unit. That is so cool and it's such a neat piece of technology and kind of takes a lot of guesswork out of making a float work, not only work, but work correctly and accurately read the fuel level in your tank. Well, to, to, to toot our own horn is the huge selection of Summit Racing Pro Hemi camshafts. There are like 24 grinds in that. That is going to be a market that's just only going to gain steam in 2024. I mean, they've, they've got grinds from, you know, mild truck ones to, to ones for turbo, huge power turbo cars. 
you're going to see more of that from Summit Racing as far as 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 Hemi parts. Kind of been cool to see that market develop, Alan. You know, with the 09 and up, the Eagle Hemi is what I think they were they refer to that generation as. Um, kind of third third and a half gen. That Eagle platform, as those cars kind of become more available, you know, whether they be wrecked or rotted out or kind of you can just get the motors and stuff. I think it's going to be kind of an LS swap craze as well. Something I know you brought up earlier in the year, Dave, is LT swaps. It's the motor after LS, direct injected, latest and greatest. I believe they're 14 and newer GM platforms. But when we were at SEMA, we saw a ton of stuff with LTs in it. And utilizing the factory direct injection, there's a lot of cool aftermarket for that. And, um, you know, kind of you touched on the pro Hemi cams. We did an amazing job as a company this year with our Pro LS line and kind of a lot of Summit private label parts. Um, they rolled a lot of cool stuff out, and there is a ton of more cool stuff coming that I'm excited to see and, you know, make big power with, hopefully. Well, all this talk about swaps kind of makes me remember what happened when the LS craze really started to hit. Back in those days, a, a big stumbling block was the transmission getting your electronically controlled transmission to play nice with a, with a swapped engine. So that continues to impress me. I know a couple of big brands, Edelbrock being one, launched uh, modern transmission controllers to help facilitate a modern engine swap, and more specifically, a modern transmission swap. I remember speaking to a guy a year or so ago who stuffed a Gen 3 Hemi into a vintage Kaiser Henry J. And I'm talking to him about the swap, like the sheer mind-boggling logistics of shoving this massive modern engine into this tiny little 1950s-era compact economy car. And he laughed and smiled. He said the toughest part was getting the transmission to play nice. So breakthroughs in that space continue to impress me and continue to open up a lot of possibilities for the hot rodders out there. With the transmission, the solution was, was always turbo 400 or a five-speed. Now you can stick a fancy overdrive transmission where, and it's not even just a 4L80 or 4L60 anymore. You can do a 6L swap. You can do an 8L swap. Kind of the world is your oyster when it comes to the uh, electronic controls and companies like Holly with the Terminator Max stuff, uh, HP tuners, Edelbrock, everybody's got something coming to the market. And so it's kind of pick your poison and uh, really modernize your hot rod. Now, we've been talking for, for 30 minutes now, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to bring up the fact that I want to see a Sport Compact revolution in 2024. I've been wishing for a Sport Compact revival for the last, I don't know, 15 years. Still hasn't happened yet, but there's room for optimism. I mean, we got the, the Civic Type R, the Integra Type S is back, WRX has always been around. Don't forget about the GR Corolla. Well, yeah, and we saw those all over the place at SEMA. And even Nissan got into the action with a little hot-rodded Sentra. So, fingers crossed, maybe 2024 is the year the Sport Compact and and the Sport Truck, you know, with the Maverick, a new Taco, and a new Frontier out there. Maybe 2024 is the year of the Sport Compact and the Sport Truck resurrection. I agree. I, I want to see the other hot thing I saw in 2023 that we saw at SEMA was bagged minivans. So, like, Toyota Sienna's. And I was like, I, as a person, could drive a bagged minivan on some big wheels and do it with a smile on my face. Bring back the brick. Bring back the brick. Yes. Please, no. <laughs> uh, Alan's leaving us. <laughs> yes. He's, he's tuning up very fast. But going back to mini trucks, I mean, it, if Ford can finally figure out how to actually make enough Mavericks, you know, for the people that want them, Chevy's going to come out with one. Mopar will. I mean, they've got platforms overseas to build them. 
I think Toyota was rumored to come out with one slotted below the Tacoma. So if that does happen, your your mini truck revival could very well play out. I, I would not be surprised to see everybody else start rolling out a version. And if they make them as relatively inexpensive as the Maverick is or should be, you're you're gonna see you're gonna see that come back hard, I think. I earn for an era of pre like the nineties when it wasn't a it wasn't a Tacoma, it was a truck. And it was lowered painted a wild color and then it was on Dayton's like chef's kiss 10 out of 10. Do you guys remember the tailgates with the license, the sideways license plate? You'd have the led, the neon license plate frame, like bring it back. This is what I want. No, let's just, let's just make it look, come back with the convertibles. Like the, the, what was the company that did those radical with the rat? Yeah, I think it was ASC that did the uh, the Dakota convertible. Yes, folks, at, at one point in the 90s, you could get a convertible Dodge Dakota from the factory. There was one that did aftermarket, that did aftermarket kits to whack the top off your mini truck. Dude, that's, you know, for 2023, speaking of mini truck, I mean, kind of, Paul, we touched on this in the SEMA episode, but the new Nissan, those little baby Nissan trucks, I love that. And I think that things are so cool. It's so well styled, retro, like kind of that retro throwback look. Yeah, I hope to see more of that. The throwback and homage to the models that made companies, I think is always a very tasteful move. You know, we had it with the muscle car era. I want to see it in the mini truck era. I, for one, want to see a Chevy Love back on North American shores just as much as the next person. Um so we're about out of time. Any one of you want to chime in with some closing thoughts on, on 23 or looking ahead to 2024? Well, it's going to be an election year, so hold on tight. Not to bring that specter into it. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what, what goes on with some of the legislative pieces that are out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully people stay on top of that and continue to participate and uh, do their best to protect our hobby going forward beyond this year. Also, I agree with the the 90s revival thing that you guys are talking about. Sport compacts, mini trucks kind of all plays into that. You know, the CMS show did kind of get me thinking that that's the direction we could be going, but I I wouldn't mind it. I still got my Summit Sport Compact shirt, so I could just throw that back on and be all good. (laughs) Hey, really? (laughs) I wore my Summit Truck Styles jacket today because it's just like I I love to throw it back. And it's um, that's a fun era for our company kind of when we were, you know, becoming what we are today, you know, Summit Truck Styles, that was hot. I expect Radwood to continue. The, the, the Radwood trend will continue. You're going to see people hauling out cars that you thought were turned into dust. Those, those kind of cars are, you know, people are going to go back in their garages and back in, in, the, in the backyard in the back 40 and pull some of this stuff out. I could just eat up every like Z24 Cavalier or K- Chrysler K cars. This is the car that saved Chrysler. Like, I don't know if they'd still be around if it wasn't for the K car, but that's what they should replace the Challenger and the Charger with. Bring back Chrysler LeBarons. <laughs> and I think that's a pretty fantastic note to end on. Uh, we've been talking with the gang from Summit Racing all about the 2023 year in review and what we're looking forward to in 2024 and beyond. Normally, I'd say thank you to these folks, but again, they're Summit Racing employees and thereby paid to be here. So thanks for nothing. I'm just kidding. It's, it's always interesting to talk industry trends and car culture and stuff. So it's always a good time. Thank you for listening. And from all of us at Summit Racing, have a great 2024. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Cheers to 24.
This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.